This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. While our team of tax pros are well-versed in all things tax, our areas of expertise include rental real estate and equity compensation. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. At Capital Area Tax Consultants, we believe in pricing transparency and flat fees. Before engaging with us, you'll receive an upfront quote in black and white with a description of any services to be performed. This way, there are no hidden surprises. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com. Welcome to the Tech Money Podcast, where the worlds of technology and personal finance collide. Hosted by certified financial planner, speaker, blogger, and self-proclaimed personal finance nerd, Malcolm Etheridge. Each episode aims to make you just a little bit smarter about your money, all from the perspective of the tech professional. Without further delay, here's your host. Hey there, listeners. Malcolm here. And on today's show, we're talking about career advancement. More specifically, we're talking about the phenomenon of mass quits by employees of all ages and demographics, representing companies and industries across the board that was brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic, otherwise known as the Great Resignation. The Great Resignation may have tipped the scales, but the underlying sentiment of dissatisfaction among workers had been brewing underneath the surface for some time, whether it's the multiple attempts to unionize, rallies and protests outside of corporate headquarters, or the class action lawsuits filed on behalf of those seeking better working conditions, employees had been making their voices heard time and time again, mostly to no avail. But once the COVID-19 pandemic came along and made it obvious just how many disparities existed between gig workers, hourly employees, salaried employees, and corporate executives, many of those same workers who had been vying for better working conditions finally decided enough was enough. They either left their company for who was promising better flexibility and higher salary, or they left the employee population altogether and instead decided to go and become their own boss. The perfect storm of tech tools designed to make entrepreneurship easier and employees reaching their breaking point led to a record number of companies being created in 2020 and 2021. And many of those new companies were created with the goal of simply replacing one's income they were earning while at their former company, while giving them the freedom and flexibility to work when and however they like. So on today's episode, we'll check in on the great resignation and see just how many of those companies that were created are still up and running, as well as take a look at both the intended and unintended benefits that have been brought on by the great resignation two years later. My guest, Matthew Silverstein, is the vice president of creative marketing for Lilly, a startup dedicated to helping freelancers manage their work life and financial life all in one place. His work includes PR, media partnerships, social content, creative writing, and storytelling. And prior to joining Lilly, Matthew served as video content director for a media tech startup that was ultimately acquired by Discovery and a video director and marketing producer for Pop Sugar. So with that brief introduction, welcome Matthew Stilberstein to the Tech Money Podcast. Hi, Malcolm. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for doing this. I appreciate you uh, making the time. So I breezed through your resume pretty quickly in my intro. What else should I have included? 
the one thing that will be relevant to this conversation. Well, there's two things. The first one is I'm uh, I'm French originally. I moved to the U.S. 12 years ago. Okay. And the second thing is I have been a freelancer in the creative space for half of my career. Mm-hmm. I kind of been doing this back and forth between period of uh, of freelancing, of consulting, and then when I, once I found a project I really believe in, I joined the company full time. And from what I understand, Lily is designed to be a one-stop shop for freelancers and solo businesses where they can do banking, handle most of their accounting, and all those other daunting financial tasks all in place, uh, all in one place. Is that right? Did I get that That right? uh, Yes, that's absolutely correct. And this is why I joined the company a couple of years ago now is it's really a product that resonated with me as somebody who has been a small business owner myself. And when I arrived to the US and I had to open a bank account and I had to learn about taxes and I had to learn about creating an LLC and all that, that weird, like complicated administrative stuff. And then when I found out about Lily and its, its features and its capacities, I was like, God, I wish I had that five, seven years ago. And that's, that's literally what, what Lily is, has built and is continue to build. We are trying to create an entire ecosystem where all those freelancers, all these new business owners and existing business owners don't have to have three, four different, you know, softwares and solutions and have everything scattered and missing a write-off here and forgetting about an invoice there, kind of keep everything in the same place so that, and I can share stories about the mistakes that I've made that have resulted in me overpaying my taxes by four to $5,000 and to really try to use technology advancement and all those, 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 those abilities that fintech is giving the world so that freelancers like myself and like many millions of other Americans are not wasting time at midnight trying to figure out their accounting, but they can just do it on the go. They can just do it in real time and keep it consistent and easy to manage. I guess one of the things they don't tell you when you're in France or any other country considering making your way to the States is that we in America love our bureaucracy. And so uh, all the red tape that you're describing is one of the things that keeps the financial engine humming. That's for sure. Well, let's be fair here. I come from France, which is not known from like a country that is without red tape. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's one of the reasons I came to the U.S. is I I, I always saw the United States as the land of entrepreneurship where it was a lot easier to start a business. And to be fair, it is easier to start a business in, in the US than in France. Yeah. But there are many other things that are a lot more complicated, like taxes, like healthcare, like, um, well, that's it. Those two are just enough to discourage you from doing anything. Stay there for a second. What is it that freelancers and you know maybe gig workers, you know, I'm using these terms sort of broadly, yes. but you'll, yeah. you'll define them for me in a second. But what is it that that group needs differently from traditional small businesses, like maybe a bakery or a boutique or something? Well, it, it, it all depends, not to get too technical, but it all depends kind of on your on your business entity. If you're a bakery and you open a bakery uh, with your spouse, then you're and you share ownership of the business, you're a multi-member LLC. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different from somebody who is driving Uber at night on top of a full-time job or driving Uber all day long while also doing, you know, selling things on Amazon, which some of them are sole proprietors, others incorporated as a single member LLC. And so these two businesses have different tax obligations, but they use different forms. Mm-hmm. They, you know, the when you open a, an LLC, if it's a multi-member or single LLCs, you have to file every every year with your state, some 
updates on on who is your registered agent and all that. So it depends really on the business entity. But at the end of the day, all these people who run their business themselves need to deal with their own health insurance, Mm -hmm. their own retirement account, their own PTO, their own family leave plans, and their own taxes, which as a full-time employee, you don't have to worry about these things that much because you you split the cost, it's organized by your HR. So all these small business owners have similar needs that are that that unlike friends like healthcare and like to give an example mm-hmm. i thought it was easier to be a freelancer in america than to be a freelancer in france and in some ways it's true but there's one way where it's absolutely not and that shocked me when i arrived here is that as a freelancer in the us you have to keep in mind that you have to pay for health insurance in france i didn't have to worry about health insurance one bit like it's universal it's run by the by the state here all of a sudden you can't, you know, if you if you know you're going to have a kid, for example, and there's going to be some health expenses, well, you can't just quit your job because you need the health insurance. Mm-hmm. So that was a surprise to me when I moved here. Well, when you decide you've had enough and you're moving back to France, let me know. I think my <laughs> blue passport still gets me most places these days. Um, I think. Well, that, probably. I, I share your sentiments, though. One of the things that drives me extremely crazy about the American system in general is that I I am at the mercy of my employer for two things. One, to be able to save meaningfully for retirement. Yes, I can contribute yeah. to an IRA on my own, but the the caps, the limits that I'm able to put into the IRA directly yes. versus the limits on what I can put into a 401k if I work for a larger corporation, yes. that disparity makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, yes. And then separately to the point you were making about healthcare, I'm now bound to my employer by my health situation. So the moment that I develop some sort of chronic illness, or maybe even it's something genetic that I have absolutely no control over, I'm now beholden to my employer in a way that I really shouldn't be. That's that's a very dangerous position to put people into, but that's kind of how we've structured things in this country. And to your point, that absolutely drives me crazy every time I think about it, because it makes no freaking sense. No employers want to be on the hook for paying for employers' health care. It's one of the biggest complaints that big companies have. And yeah. no employees want to be at the mercy of their employer over their health. Yes. It's one of the, and, again, the biggest complaints that workers have. And it is, it is a, well, two things. First, I want to tell you there's IRA, but you, you should look at opening a solo 401k for yourself because the limits are higher. So that, that's true. But I just mean the fact that those disparities even exist. Like if I'm a person who is a freelancer and I'm looking for a very simple solution, I should be able to say, I'm going to put $20,500 into my 401k plan at my current employer, or I'm going to put $20,500 into my traditional IRA or Roth IRA as just a general person doing driving for Uber, like you mentioned, right? right? I just, my point is that there should be very clear parity between the different vehicles that you're allowed to save into, regardless of whether you have an employer who sponsors a plan or not. That that whole thing just makes no sense to me. But anyway, I will get off yes. my soapbox and, and try no, to no. I mean, and, here, but, but look, this is this is what we're talking about right now, and this is the paradox of America, right? Yeah. Like it's the it's the land of of entrepreneurship. This is how it's you know projecting itself to the world. This is how I saw it from my Europe, and then you arrive here and you're like, wait, hold on, how how 
how is it so how are there so many rules when you want to do your own thing and also save for retirement and be healthy yeah. uh which but which i which is why i find this moment we're in right now with the great resignation and and which was a trend that was that started right when we launched lady in 2019 we could already see the trend where young people didn't want to work for the men anymore technology allowed them to work from home or even like leave the big city so that they can go in a place where they can afford a backyard. This was already happening, right? And then there was COVID and and everything that followed, including the great resignation, which is where I'm finding this moment for for Lily and and just in general. I find this moment absolutely captivating and, and very relevant. Well, what are the what are the types of businesses that you've been seeing people start most often since the pandemic and the great resignation began? What we've seen, what I've seen is I there's a lot of folks who had who take the skills that they have in the full-time job and just mm-hmm. take it for themselves. So, creative agencies, marketing consulting, computer engineers, there's all these jobs that are that you could find, even me, as a video producer, as a marketing specialist, I could do that on the side. Mm-hmm. And so these kinds of jobs are harder, even trying to find a graphic designer who will join full-time right now is is, is close to impossible <laughs> because graphic designers have been traditionally freelancers, right? Mm-hmm. Like most, a lot of people in the creative space. But some of them agreed to join full-time and some came in-house and now it's just very, very difficult because, because the, there's, there's a wave, there's, a, there's almost a revolution, there's a momentum for working from home. Freelancers have been kind of, I don't want to say chastised, it's too hard of a word, but like mm-hmm. looked down upon for a really long time. And yeah. I know that for a fact myself by financial institutions, by older generations. But what do you mean you freelance? Who do you work for? I work for a lot of people and that's not stable. And so for a long time, it was not, how do you save for retirement? Like, uh, how are you going to provide health insurance for your family? That kind of stuff. And now it's almost a, a badge of honor. Like, yeah, I'm a freelancer. So yeah. what? This is, this, is, <laughs> this is what we do now. This is the new normal. And look, whether or not it's going to stick, I don't know. I have a feeling it will because I think it is a generational shift in the way people look at success in the States. And also in the way that the relationship with work in general, I, of all the, you don't think of this as just a snapshot in time or, or a short-term thing that'll die off in another year or so once the pandemic is fully behind us. I mean, that is a question, right? I don't have a crystal ball. (laughs) I don't, I I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Based on the conversations I have with our customers, based on the conversations I have with myself, with my neighbors, with the people of my generation. Granted, my network is based of a lot of creatives who tend to be freelancers in general, but no, there's something else in the air right now. When I talk to our users and we do, a, sometimes we feature them in some videos, like they all have that exact same line. And it's not a line that we tell them to say, that they say, I will never, ever, 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 ever go back to a full-time job, <laughs> right? So the desire is there, whether or not, they can afford it. The economy allows them. The the social instru- infrastructure of the country will allow them. Is a different conversation. Yeah. But the desire is there. How many people left New York to go to North Carolina? Like more than I would have ever imagined. More than exactly right. So I think it, there is there is a generational shift 
in the definition of success and also this definition of success make money make money yeah. make money it's not the case anymore work life balance has been a theme for a long time now it's front and center people will accept to make less money if that means that they can spend more time with their kids or with their loved ones or take care all of this is happening mm -hmm. and 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 i find that really interesting and really yeah i don't i don't think it i think it's here to stay well, the proof is in the numbers. Do you have any visibility into how many of the businesses that were started at the height of, you know, the pandemic are still up and running two years later? I don't have a whole lot of numbers or visibility on that. I know that during the pandemic, our numbers skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people started to, and not just open accounts with us. Some, obviously we got a lot newer accounts, but consumed our content. Hmm read all the content that we wrote about taxes for self-employed, about stimulus payment, PPP loans. There was these, there were these terms, these, 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 these stories that, or, or these educational pieces of content that were not very mainstream a couple of years ago. And now there's a demand for it. And now people, people know, more people know what an LLC is today mm -hmm. than they did five years ago. And you can, we played a part in that with our content and a lot of fintech played a part in that, but also a lot of influencer, a lot of content creators online now are mm -hmm. talking about financial literacy, are talking about financial education and are making these, these concepts that were like reserved for your accountants, really part of this conversation in the zeitgeist of, of pop culture. Even, you know, we talked, we did a big push around taxes this past quarter in our marketing and our content. And I have to say that, first of all, what I realized is a lot of people, there's a lot of things that a lot of people don't know, which is really unfortunate because taxes as a self-employed or, or a small business owner is a very, very important topic that actually can save you thousands of dollars a year. And I'm not just saying that as a marketer, I'm saying that as somebody who has over overpaid their taxes by a few thousand dollars. And, and but there's an appetite for it. There is a very strong appetite for it because people are now realizing or I've heard somewhere in the news or on, on Instagram or on TikTok that this is something they need to pay attention to. And so now they are. And so all of this is happening at the same time. Okay. So save that tax piece for a second. We'll get into that one a little bit deeper because I know you're excited about nerding out on taxes probably as much as I, which folks who listen to this show on a regular basis know that like Somehow we always end up down that tax rabbit hole. But I know that you guys at Lilly are huge proponents of the great resignation in general. And, you know, if it's not obvious by the tone of your voice and how excited you get talking about it. But I know you guys encourage basically everyone to turn their passion projects into a full blown business. Why is that? Well, because it's it's we uh, the, the easy answer is you only live once. And, you know, I've had the chance to be able to work in a variety in, in, in a lot of different places, in a lot of different positions on two continents. And I know that when you're not happy with your work, which is where you spend 75% of your waking hours, you're not happy in general. So, and, and I've, I have this, this entrepreneurship spirit inside of me. I'm lucky to have it. It was passed on to me. And so I, and I, Every time I hear somebody, I have this idea, I want like to do it, but I'm scared. I don't want it. I, that, that, that hurts me because I, I want to share that, 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 that freedom that I have with people around me because I know how good it feels mm -hmm. to be in control of your career and to be comfortable and 
and running your own business. It's not for everybody. Totally. Yeah. I'm totally, that's totally fair. And that's totally normal. But for people who want to do it and are not doing it for all the wrong reasons, because there's no infrastructure to help them, that bugs me. Well, what I find interesting though, is in this moment that we're talking about, there's not the, the folks that if you think about traditionally, a lot of the bigger tech companies that we have today came from folks who worked at a company like an IBM, for example, way back in the 60s and 70s or Hewlett Packard right. or something like that. And they all broke off to create their own semiconductor company or uh, yes. their own venture capital fund or something like that. And like, there's even all these documentaries out there about that group of folks, that class of folks who they call the Silicon Cowboys, who kind of formed Silicon Valley around standard Stanford University, right? There's okay. that aspect where they sought out on their own to create a gigantic corporate entity that was going to go and tackle all these hard problems and make all this money and conquer the world. And then you have this faction of folks that you're talking about, which I believe you, I agree with you as a cultural shift where uh, I, I won't, I won't age you without your permission, but I myself am 34. So I'm a millennial. Millennials are looking at this and saying, I just want to replace the income that I was making working at Apple, or I just want to replace the income that I was yeah. working at so-and-so marketing firm or whatever. Like I'm not in this yeah. to build a gigantic staff and yes. hire a bunch of people and complicate my life. That's I'm right. just in this so that I own me basically at this point. Yes. Like, I don't want to have to be beholden to an employer. And so if I yeah. was making $150,000, if I can in a year or two generate enough freelance work that I'm paying myself the equivalent of $150,000 after the dis difference in taxes, then yes. I'm good. I get to work from where I want. Yes. I wake up when I want. I yes. talk to who I want. If I want to, I go to, I'm at happy hour at 430 uh, Correct. on time yes. every single day. I'm, I'm I can go work from Portugal. Yeah. yeah. And I can yeah. afford yeah. to go work from Portugal now. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. all those kind of things. It seems to me like that's really the cultural shift is it's I'm not going out and starting my own thing because I want to be Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos. Right. I'm going and starting my own thing just because I want to if I want to be a hippie backpacking it across uh, Asia yes. somewhere like that's what I'm going to do. And I'll make yeah. a few dollars along the way to support myself. But that's really what the focus is. And so I, I, I'm with you. I, I take your point about yeah. like just having that desire to own your time, have that time freedom is the driving force and not necessarily anything that older generations would be able to look at and really understand because it's so different from the way they were brought up. I completely understand, uh, agree with everything you just said. I am a millennial myself. I'm a little above you. I'm 37, but I think that's exactly, that is exactly right. And, and what I always find very interesting, very captivating with what's happening right now is, so like I said, I saw America as the land of entrepreneurship, and I feel like there's a rekindling of that mm -hmm. uh, right now. America is the, the small business land, the, law, the land of small business. It's the land of the freelancer. It's the, the small town, the, the main street. Okay, Main Street, Main Street are getting hurt a little bit by bigger giants right now. But still, there's that 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 desire to be in charge of your own destiny, yeah. right? And I think somehow the way the system was built with all these HR benefits that you could only get at the full time job, it kind of kind of destroyed that a little bit. 
And I think now this new generation, us millennials, and I think the Gen Zs are going to be even more <laughs> committed to that. We've heard, we've read the stories about how Gen Zs have really high demands of employers. And even mm-hmm. myself, when I'm trying to hire right now for some position, are you, are you all remote? Are you hybrid? Like these questions come up really early in the conversation and they are fair questions. I like hybrid. I like as, as a creative, I like to be in front of people when you brainstorm in a room. I feel like there's something very relevant to that. It's again, not all the jobs need to be in person, but some of them, I, I, I still, I still like that. I don't want, I don't want to live in a society where everybody stays at home all the time. You know, and I, I like the idea that you are sometimes also confronted with people in the office that you don't necessarily like. It, it's character building and you need to navigate the politics of it all. It's also relevant to your skills as a human being. But I, I agree. It's not about making millions and millions of dollars. It's about controlling your income. And it's all about that work like that. But I imagine to a point you were making before about the the dearth of information out there, especially five years ago, at least about how to get started from scratch. I imagine people find it pretty hard to separate their personal financial lives from their business, especially when they're just getting started. What do you tell people making that switch from side hustle or passion project to now their main thing about making this switch? Well, especially when you freelance and you're kind of this hybrid person, when you're a person and a business and all at once, the, the, the most important thing is to keep things kind of separate. Mm-hmm. It's to make sure because everything you spend for your business is a write-off to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're slowly moving to the tax conversation. <laughs> but, <laughs> Only but because think, you want to. Only because I want to. That's, that's, the, that's the most important thing. And that's the first thing is, is to keep things separate. And the, the other thing is to not be scared of doing things wrong. It, it's, it's not as complicated as it may sound or as the IRS website make it look like. It's really about finding the right, the right advice. To me, like I said, when I started, I was terrified. I didn't understand how it worked because the American tax system is all about self-reporting. Mm-hmm. When in France, you basically receive a form, you sign it, you send a check and you're done. So this concept of self-reporting, and I'm like, so wait, who, ch- who checks what, if I'm, what I'm doing is right? Uh, it was very strange to me. But when, once I talked to an accountant, once I saw him do what he did, and then once I went to get for some information online, once I understood all of that, I'm like, oh, okay, I know how to do it now. Well, and you stay there for a bury- second, stay okay. there for a second, but I want to redirect you for a second. Cause you just made me think about a, a different, you mentioned you guys blog earlier on and you yeah. guys had a piece out that a piece that you put out about how much it costs to hire an accountant to prepare your taxes as a freelancer. And you just got my attention with that. Can you yeah. say a bit about why this is so important? Cause I mean, I mean, why it's so important to hire a professional out of the gate rather than trying to use one of the online services, even though it may feel like you can't really afford it just yet. So the online services, and I mean, I'm sure they got better, but no, what I can say, okay, well, I haven't (laughs) used, I haven't used one in a while. The first thing with an accountant is you get the human connection. You get a, a person who explains things to you if you have questions who you can have a conversation with and, and if they're good and not all accountants are good, you need to find one that you're comfortable with. They will reassure you. They will explain things to you. The, the biggest thing about finding an accountant to me was 
that they can, they can, one of the big things that I've heard and noticed even myself is you're scared of doing things wrong. Mm-hmm. That's just mm-hmm. kind of basic human nature for most people. And so having an accountant will A, help you to make sure you're doing it right, but to tell you, okay, this is a business expense. You didn't know if it was a business expense, mm-hmm. but he said, oh, it is. He or she said, it is a business expense. Don't forget about that one. Or there's something you thought was a business expense and there will be like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. So this helps you. I mean, my accountant, my first year told me about, I don't know, like at least worth thousands of dollars of business expense. I didn't even think of yeah. because I didn't know about them. I can expense my my car mileage. No idea about that. You can expense a part of your rent. Had no idea about that. So they'll have that knowledge and that reassurance that will help you save money, really. Well, that was why I, I made a very blanket general statement. And anybody who's ever listened to the show before when we talk taxes will know exactly what I mean when I say it. But I personally believe that the majority, if not all of the people who listen to this show on a regular basis their tax situation is too complicated to trust it to AI. And I say that fully knowing that a lot of the people who listen to this show work in tech and some of them even on building AI designed to recognize (laughs) patterns and, and machine learning and that sort of thing. And I still confidently will say that everybody's tax situation is so unique to themselves and so nuanced that a machine cannot possibly pick up on all of those details. It That's can right. regurgitate rules and, and laws in a way that tell you what form maybe you need to have filed. But what you were just describing where you can use, I'm going to beat up on TurboTax because I always beat up on TurboTax. So why break with the norm? But if I use TurboTax in the instance you just gave me and it says, did you drive any for your for your work or were all of the miles you drove this year personal? Yeah. That question may not make me think, oh, that time I went and had lunch with Matthew, that was... That's for right. business. And so I should count that. Yes, I had business miles. And so I say no. So I completely miss whatever right. other rabbit hole it would have taken me down to ask me additional questions to draw out of me that I actually drove quite a bit of miles for my right. business this year. Or right. the part you mentioned about the square footage of your apartment that's used solely for business purposes being a tax deduction, right? If it yeah. didn't ask the question in a very specific way that jogs in my memory, that mm-hmm. yes, I do actually use my home's internet and cable and water and everything else as yeah. part of working from my house or for my apartment fully remote. Yeah. If the question the AI asks me or the questionnaire asks me doesn't specifically draw that out, then I don't get that. But a human is going yes. to say, hey, remember we had a conversation back in June when you told me that this thing, that thing, and that thing happened. And so now you're working from home fully remotely. That means that come July 1st, we'll get to use your living expenses, your utilities for half of the year to be able to account for expenses that you get to to, to write off. Right. And then next year, you'll get to use the full 12 months and blah, 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 blah. So on and so on. Right. I'm, I'm making up a scenario, but you get where I'm going. Like that conversation, that dialogue with a human person who has done this a million times and recognizes exactly where you're going to go before you even get there is all of the difference and is what you're paying for. So That's right. I know I went on this long winding road to get there, but essentially my point was just, there comes a point when your tax situation is too complicated and you make too much money to be trying to cheap out on tax prep and you need to hire a professional. And yes, 
I mean, my experience told me that. And since I started using an accountant, I never went back because yeah. we did it once and it was a disaster. And then, and also the, the accountant, like, and maybe some point AI will, will, will do that, but they have experience. And this is the first advice I'll give to anyone who's looking for an accountant. Look for an accountant who is for freelancers, small business, who has experience with people in your field. That is extremely important. Hmm. Because every industry has different things. As a video producer, you can probably expense your Netflix subscription mm -hmm. uh, as R&D. As a hair and makeup artist, maybe not as much. So find people who are accountants who are really connected to your industry and who, who can ask you these specific questions, right? The other thing is those accountants, again, there are some really bad ones out there, but there are some really good ones too. They have experience. They have years of experience. So they have averages you know and that's if at some point you are deducting like 20 30 percent of your business on business trips when you are i don't know a construction worker and yeah. there's 30 percent is is plane tickets they'll say like hold on that's a red flag that's yeah. a red flag for me so it's going to be a red flag for the irs so these this knowledge i mean it depends on how much you believe in ai or or, or not i i believe in ai but i also believe in humanity first uh I think, yeah, that's that's something the accountant will have that at this point in time, probably not in the future, computers won't. On a related note, I saw a blog post you guys put out earlier this year about how PayPal and Venmo affects your taxes as a freelancer, which I thought was interesting. I never thought of it before reading that, but I figured people uh, probably yes. default to those types of peer-to-peer -peer apps when they get started just because it's what they know. But can yeah. you say a bit about why that might not be the best way to structure your payments processing once you formalize your business? Look, the, the yeah, what I've, so ba Venmo and PayPal, you can open a business, a, a business account with them, mm -hmm. right? That's something you can do, but then you pay a fee on the payments. And so what most people do is they use the free Venmo, the free PayPal, and they get paid with that because it's easier. Because everybody has Venmo, it's a, it's it's easier than doing a traditional ACH, than writing a check, et cetera, et cetera. So really what the IRS did is they realized that all these businesses out there are using these platforms to receive business income. I assume that PayPal and Venmo's attempts to create these business accounts didn't pen out uh, because people didn't want to pay the fee when literally it's pretty much the same service. So it's not ideal, but it's also not a bad way as long as you keep track of that income and keeps that separate and report it. That's, that's just, and, and now that the IRS is also getting 1099 from Venmo and PayPal, it's already reported. So there's no more cheating, which mm -hmm. I think, which is what the IRS was trying to try to stop and but but these these platforms who didn't exist when i was freelancing a lot are also making it a lot easier to get paid quickly to get paid seamlessly now even lily we released a a new feature where you can get paid via debit or credit card mm -hmm. uh for your freelance work i never had that i have never been paid by a debit or credit card in my life it was always check or direct deposit it was fine for what i did but if you are a, an art an, a jewelry artist and you sell on the market Mm -hmm. uh, and you don't necessarily want to have like those big point of sale thing and pay this gigantic fee. Now you can pay with your credit card. We can, Lily, the user can send an invoice on the go. Like we're, 
the the world is online the world is digital the, the world is mobile the world is fluid and so as much as i don't recommend to use the personal venmo or the personal paypal to do business because mm -hmm. it's not necessarily allowed it's also a good way to 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 get paid and i think the, what the irs is doing makes sense but it's just making sure everybody is aligned and everybody is 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 reporting the income properly yeah one of the things you guys didn't mention in the blog post but it, my antenna went up because i was i was looking for myself is the fact that if you use one of the personal services and you use it for very long, Venmo and PayPal have sophisticated enough AI to catch that, that to deposits catch that. and transactions are being made that look like recurring transactions that are probably a business. And they like halt your transactions and freeze the account. And oh, really? I would say uh, encourage you in quotes to yes. shift to a business profile and it's yeah. not necessarily because they're being tyrants, but it's because you could get them in trouble from a compliance standpoint. That's right. Because yeah. of the piece you just mentioned about the 1099s and reporting to the IRS and whatever. Since the federal government is leaning on them, they then lean on you, the customer. And so they kind of force you into creating that business relationship, whether you intended to or thought you were going to avoid the fees by right. uh, staying on the personal side or not. But I appreciate right. that the blog has such a focus on speaking to folks who have never done any of this before, because yeah. there's so many of those little things that you just don't know when you start you a business. Um, right. What would you say are some of the more common things that freelancers tend to ignore when getting started that they shouldn't ignore? Well, I, 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 wanna, I don't want to say the word ignore because it's, it's, it's just lack of education. It's, it's just they don't know. Ignore is when you willfully ignore something. Okay, uh, I think I think the mo mo most people don't know that they need to save a portion of their income for taxes. Hmm. That is a thing that I've heard recurrently, recurringly. And one of the, I, I often hear from our users that their favorite feature is our tax bucket, which automatically set aside a percentage of your income into a tax bucket every time you get paid. Hmm, uh, I've, I, I've heard so many time a variation of this feature saved my life comes tax season. <laughs> uh, I forgot I set it up and then I got my tax bill and I was like, oh my God. And, oh, hold on. Yes, I have the money. That's the big thing. That's save money for your taxes. It's just the taxes in general is is the one big thing that people should not should get should get information on to save money and not to be surprised with a panic attack when you see your tax bill and you have no more money in your account than you spent at all. Hmm. Um, the other thing is to incorporate. I think opening a single LLCs a uh, single LLC. If you're a freelancer, to separate yourself from your business for liability reasons is not something to ignore. It makes it easy. It, it's easy to do. It protects you if anything wrong happens. Mm -hmm. And and it's also good from a marketing perspective. You can sell yourself as a business. You can register a business name. And I think it gives you also a little bit of um, the word I'm looking for. It gives a little bit of gravitas, a little, a little bit of humps, a, a little bit, a little. It gives, it gives a little bit of humps to your business that that you say, yeah, I, I work. This is my business. This is my company. This is what I provide. This is what I do. This is my website. It it protects you from a legal standpoint and from a liability standpoint. Yeah. But it also gives your marketing a lot more to work with. Gotcha. 
Okay. Well, so my last question likely has nothing to do with Lily at all. So you can kind of sit back in your seat and relax a little bit more for this one. Um, But let's say for a moment, you never discovered your passion for marketing, which I know to you is very hard to do. But let's say that money wasn't a factor in your decision at all. What do you think you'd be doing right now? I would teach. Okay. Anything in particular? I, I, mean, I have a lot of skill set in my, in my tool belt. So I like to teach. I've come from a cinema major. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, li- I like to teach about films, about art, about, about things that feed your soul. Mm-hmm. And really what I want to do as much as I possibly can, what I would want to do as much as I possibly can is, is to help this next generation, the Gen Zs, with all the they're going to have to deal with. And give them as much as I can of my life experience, having moved countries, having moved continents, having moved around the world, raising a binational family and and share with them as much hope as I possibly can. These past few years have not been filled with hope. And I think we see that in in, in our youngest generation. And also on a very selfish level, my kids are seven and six and two, they're going to listen to the Gen Z's. They're not going to listen to me very (laughs) soon, but they're going to listen to the Gen Z's. So I want the Gen Z's to have some of my stuff uh, Uh, so that they can pass that on to my kids. But yeah, it's, it's about, I, you know, if you look at the way the world is today, the there's anger everywhere. There's fear everywhere. It it's, it's, it's not going to be a, there's a lot, there's a lot of work to do. And I think the Gen Z's have, they have a lot of a lot of potential. I I respect them a lot more than I respect us millennials in in a variety of ways. I don't know if I'm right or not or not, but I think they're going to have to deal with things that we we will we ignored. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's the how big tech has become, how hurtful social media can be, global warming, and all that stuff, and I think they're going to have to deal with that. And I I want to. Yeah, I'd love to teach my my life experience with them. It's not a fully formulated answer that I what I just gave you, but that's kind of what I would want to do. Awesome. Well, thanks, Matthew. I appreciate you uh, making time to come on, man. This has been great. Uh, where can Thank people you, find you if they want to learn more about you and or Lily after this goes live? Well, Lily is lily.co, not com.co. This is our website. And I am on LinkedIn and on Instagram. I'm mostly on Instagram at Matthew, but spelled the French way. So M-A-T-T-H-I-E-U, Silb Pro. I have a personal where I post pictures of my kids and I have the pro where I don't post pictures of my kids. So that's my Instagram at Matthew Silb Pro. And I also have a website with my creative work, which is MatthewSilbestein.com. Awesome. Well, on that note, Eric with an A, why don't you go ahead and close us out, sir? I'd be happy to, gentlemen. Now that we've established I'm the old man in the room, <clears throat> as a as a Gen Xer, I just want to say this. <laughs> you guys are spot on with the, what you're talking about, but you're not the only ones that want that freedom, that uh, autonomy, the, 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 all the things that you were speaking about. As Gen Xers, we actually had a front row seat to watching companies go from having retirement parties for mm-hmm. workers that have been there for a very long time to box parties where they're escorting you out of the building with your box full of crap, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, the, the loyalty from a company to an employee, we saw that diminish and that scares us. That has mm-hmm. made us worry for years. I know that that's something that has been passed down. And 
where is that loyalty coming from or going to? We have no idea. So this information is vital. Thank you so much, Matthew, for being here. Of course, Malcolm, thank you so much for facilitating this and always bringing on an amazing guest. And our last thank you is reserved for you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Tech Money Podcast with Malcolm Etheridge. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Malcolm comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. We humbly ask that you share this podcast and leave a review as this actually does help others find the show. You can connect with Malcolm on social at Malcolm on money. We'd love to hear from you and answer any questions you have, and you can do so by emailing them to podcast at tech money.com. Again, thank you so much for listening today for everyone at tech money. Our hope is that this podcast helped make you just a little smarter about your money. This has been the tech money podcast for more information on today's topic. To review the show notes or to catch up on past episodes, be sure to check out malcolmetheridge.com slash podcast. And if you have an idea for a show topic that you'd like us to cover or you want to send us feedback, the web address again is malcolmetheridge.com. You can also find Malcolm across all social media platforms at Malcolm on Money. This episode was written and created by Malcolm Etheridge with the production, the editing and sound controls powered by Proudmouth. This has been a Malcolm on Money original. Thank you for listening. The information shared in this recording and by its guests represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not represent the views or opinions of the host. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. It is always recommended that you seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your personal financial situation. This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. Our team of certified public accountants and enrolled agents is well-versed in the latest tax laws, ensuring that you capitalize on every opportunity for strategic tax optimization. We anticipate changes and keep you up to date on opportunities to potentially reduce your tax bill in the future. With a focus on precision and strategic planning, we are your trusted partner both during tax season and throughout the year. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com.